Hey, everybody, it's Ryan Baker from CBS2 Chicago. You are listening to the friendly confines with my good friends, Chad and Ryan. Rhino, we just got done doing all nine innings of this week's episode, and a bombshell dropped. Are you in a glass case of emotion? Because Jock Peterson is no longer a Chicago Cup. He is no longer a Chicago Cub. He is one of the names that we discussed as potentially getting traded, Chad. Jack Peterson on his way to Atlanta for Bryce Ball. How about that? Minor leaguer Bryce Ball coming to the Cubs. First bas- uh, first baseman, rather. He, uh, he uh, bats as a lefty. He throws as a righty. He's a big boy, 6'6", 240. He's just 23 years old, so potentially there's an opportunity. I'm not here to talk about Bryce Ball, but I'll pose the question to you as kind of an extra early inning. Are we going to miss Jock Peterson? Did he really make an impact on this team in a way where you're going to miss this guy? No, not really. I mean, he did have some decent games, and I thought that he, you know, hit the ball very well in certain spots, but overall, you know, 230 batting average, 12 home runs, uh, not somebody that I think the Cubs are going to really look back on like they do Nick Castellanos at all. So for me, I think that... uh, He's better off as a left-handed bat in Atlanta, and the Cubs now can, you know, there's the first domino, Chad. Let's see who who goes next, and uh, we're going to obviously get into all that in this episode. Yeah, here's my quick take on the Jock Peterson trade. Jock is a platoon player that has an impact to be, as he was for the Dodgers, an impact power bat in the right moments in the postseason. This Cubs team doesn't need that. They're not going there. They don't need a platoon guy. They gave it a shot. They let Kyle go obviously a bad decision we'll discuss that at other times but for the listeners and the the viewers out there you know what there's a chance we may do a a a special edition for other players jock's not going to get the special edition treatment but we are going to do over these next nine innings is we're going to talk about the report cards the offense the defense the the front office Eh, we'll talk about them a little bit but also uh, david ross and what we think is um up here in the second half of this baseball season. Yep, that's absolutely right. And we got a great guest this week, former sports director of CBS2 Chicago, now news anchor for CBS2 Chicago on the weekday morning show. Ryan Baker is joining us, and he's going to give his take on the Cubs this season and the first half as well. So stick around because the Friendly Confines starts right now. Hi, everybody. He's Chad Gordon. I'm Ryan Lieber. And Chad, let's start as we always do, that being in the first inning. Well, the first half came to an end, thankfully. It was a rough first half after what looked to be a promising start. I guess we'll just start this way. What was your reaction to the first half of the Chicago Cubs 2021 season? You know, it's interesting. It's it's a tale of two cities for me because you, you, you had that miserable start in April, which caused so many people one of us included to write this team off early on. And then they just teased us and had one of the most explosive four or five weeks uh, that we'd seen in recent Cubs history, leading the division, you know, having a huge, one of the most successful Mays um, in all of Major League Baseball. And then June came and and the rug just got pulled out from me underneath them. It's amazing how far this team has fallen. And granted, that no-hitter, that combined no-hitter in L.A. obviously, um, you know, happened after the fall started. But you know, when I think back at this team, I just feel like in retrospect, this is 
this is the team that Jed Hoyer, I think, wanted to put together. When you get rid of your ace, you get rid of a key position and a backup catcher, which has been a glaring hole this team, um, you know, has, has needed. And you basically throw a team out there with, with not enough quality starters, it's going to co- come back to haunt you. This bullpen has saved them in many different respects. Um, you know, one thing I'll say about this is, the injuries have been debilitating. The injuries have had its effect. And we had 13, 14 guys at one point on the injured list. And that is going to have some effect. So this team has no continuity. Um, as I look at it, it has no leadership. I'm not seeing anybody out there that's beating their chest other than more recently, Wilson Contreras, who tried to light a fire under the team, but to no avail. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think you hit it on the head, right? We knew going into the season what this team was going to be. We figured that was the case. And then they had that May and shot out of a cannon, like, who is this team? And we kind of started drinking that Kool-Aid, saying to ourselves, all right, maybe there is something more to this team than meets the eye. Turned out there wasn't, Chad. They had a very rough June. We knew that June was going to be a tough month. But as I had said, you know, multiple times, it wasn't so much that they lost the games. It was how they lost the games. And this team has looked lost at the plate. They've absolutely, you know, not gotten timely hitting. Um, The bullpen has started to bust at this point after being really the strong suit of this baseball team. And the starting rotation, yes, we have seen really bad outings from guys like Jake Arrieta or Trevor Williams or Albert Azale. But overall, I have to say the starting rotation has actually not been that bad. It has kept the team in games to certain degrees. Um, even as late as this series against the Cincinnati Reds, where the Cubs got swept, they were only losing games 2-1, to 3-2, to two, So it was really on the offense more than anything else. Um, As you said, Jed Hoyer expected this team to look like the the team that they are. And now they're in a position to, you know, be sellers at the trading deadline. And and that's really the, the top story going into the second half. Well, let's move on to the second inning. And I'll just briefly get right to it. Rhino, how do you rate? What is the, the report card that you give to this Cubs offense? Well, Chad, I mean, for me, it's a D plus, And I'll tell you why. We, we saw you know, moments where Chris Bryant looked like an MVP candidate. And we thought, hey, this guy's in the top three right now in the National League. Um, but other than him, uh, you know, we have not seen anybody that has really done anything of note or noteworthy for that matter that has had a, a really solid bat in the lineup. Anthony Rizzo has struggled this year. I think his injuries are starting to catch up with him. Jack Peterson has really not been anything to write home about to replace Kyle Schwarber. Ian Happ has been a disaster this year. Nico Horner's been hurt. Wilson has had moments where he's been good. And then you got Javi, who again, you know, flashes of brilliance, but overall has just had a really miserable year. I mean, the strikeout totals are, are just absolutely appalling at this point. So for me, it's it's a D plus, Chad, and I feel pretty comfortable saying that. This offense is lost right now, and they just do not have the bats. Sometimes they look amazing, but that's, you know, and then other times they fall apart. It, it's so inconsistent, and it is so just irritating to watch sometimes because you see how they score runs in bunches in certain games and then they just look like they forgot how to hit the very next game what about yourself yeah I tell you you look at I'm not going to repeat what you said I'll just take some of the highlights 
Anthony Rizzo to me is, is showing why he probably isn't the guy to build this team around his body, his frame is breaking down and it's been regression that has not started this year. It's been going, it's been a steady decline. Javi Baez is the one I think is the most frustrating to me in his last seven games going into the all-star break, nine hits, three home runs, seven RBIs and a 346 batting average. Well, guess what, everybody, none of those games mattered. This was in a free fall. This was not in a key moment. And when was the last time you saw Javi Baez perform in a key moment? So is he a guy that you want to build around? Um, I look at Chris Bryant. And I give him a lot of grace this year because, as you said, he was a top three MVP candidate. And uh, he got hit in the thumb. He got beamed in the thumb. I mean, beamed. He got hit by pitch in the thumb. And, and that is going to have an effect on, on a lot of different things. This isn't a structural frame issue that we talked about before. There's a lot of disappointment on this team. It can be shared in a lot of different ways. I mean, when Patrick Wisdom is your first half all-star and he didn't even play half of the first half, that says everything you need to know about the offense. This offense, based upon one factor and one factor alone, I, I agree, C minus, D plus, because you have three really core guys that are trying to get paid. They're in contract years and even those guys can't have like the amazing numbers. So it just show when, when pressure matters, these guys don't have it. And otherwise this is a collection of a lot of guys. I'm interested, interested to see after the trade deadline, who remains, who's going to step up. And if this team is going to falter, fall on their face, or if they're going to have any fire, any spark at all, because maybe it's time for a youth movement because the, the faces of this franchise have not been leading this team to greatness since the NLCS of 2017. All right, so let's move on now to the third inning, Chad, and let's uh, get to the pitching. What do you give grade-wise to this pitching staff? Well, it's been all over the place. We haven't had a set five-man rotation. Um, I get it. In retrospect, I get it. This is the first time that this Cubs team has been under the luxury tax in a long time. So let me just say, let's let's just say the U Darvish thing was with an eye and a nod towards the future. And let's give Jed Hoyer some credit, even though I'm not giving Jed Hoyer any credit. Credit. Kyle Hendricks has been absolutely fantastic. Kyle Hendricks has been the ace of this team, even though he had such a rough April start. Think about that. That was horrible. Um, the, the surprise is not a surprise anymore. I've always told you my theory that back in the day, Theo Epstein went after uh, Edwin Jackson because he needed to lose every fifth game. I told you that's my theory, and they were able to lose over 100 games, and it was a big, splashy signing. Well, guess what? This front office went after Jake Arrieta, and not a lot of people were high on Jake Arrieta. What, who would be the guy you'd bring in because you wanted this, this, this group this, this, these faces of the franchise to have an easier way into the trade deadline, then somebody that's going to sell t-shirts, somebody's going to use standing ovation. Somebody's going to on their farewell tour is going to have a lot of goodwill as Jake Arrieta, but also lose every fifth game. You gave this starting staff a lot more credit than I'm giving this starting staff because they're not eating a lot of innings. Maybe that's because that's how baseball is, but here's the other side of it. So the starting staff, it's a C minus because they've not won a lot of games and you're right. Offense plays a big role into that, but the relief core, one of the best in baseball, and I think we're going to see it. It's it's A, solid A on the relief. I'd maybe even go A+. plus. It's one of the best in baseball, and I think that's why you're going to see Tepere, you're going to see Chafin, and you're going to see Kimbrell in another team and hopefully providing this Cubs with some youth in uh, the upcoming trade deadline. All right, so you're giving it, what, a C-minus, you said? No, I, I said the starting staff was C-minus, and I said the relieving core was AA+. Plus. Okay, all right, so overall – I'm going to go with a C plus for the pitching and I'm combining the bullpen and the starting rotation. Yeah. Bullpen gets an A you hit it 
Uh, exactly right. When you say Kimbrel, Tapera, Chafin, they've been as good as a one, two, three punch as you can ask for when it comes to relievers uh, this season. The rotation you mentioned, Jake, you mentioned, you know, kind of the spare parts that they brought on with, uh, you know, Trevor Williams. They put Adzelay in there. They thought maybe they'd get something from Cole Stewart. Uh, you know, none of those guys really uh, have done much to really uh, give this team any sort of um, push in the starting rotation. Kyle had a slow start. He's actually bounced back really, really well. Um, some argue he could have made the all-star team after the, you know, start or rather, you know, the, the consecutive finishes and starts that he's had over the course of the, the, you know, second start of the first half, if you will, after the, the tough break that he had to begin the season. But yeah, after that, I mean, there's really not much that you can say about this team. Uh, Jake's pretty much done at this point. Um, you know, you, he's, I, I don't know if he's pitched his last game for the Cubs or not. Maybe they'll give him one opportunity if he can figure his, his stuff out and, and be able to get himself back. But for me, I'm just going to give the team a, a C plus because um, bullpen, I'm giving an A. And then uh, the starting rotation, I'm, I'm kind of given like, a C minus, maybe a D plus. So I guess combined in that sense, it's a, a C plus overall. You know, when you look at the pitching with Hendricks, if they, he stays on board, Alzale is the future of this franchise. Keegan Thompson's is very exciting. Justin Steele's doing amazing things in Iowa. And Alec Mills, give that kid a chance. No hitter last year, and he's, he's shown some good things. So there is some positives, Cub fans. There's definitely yeah. some positives. And Davies hasn't pitched bad. He just can't pitch more than four to five innings, which I, I find exhausting as well. But overall, I think he's actually been pretty decent in his starts. I wish he would just be able to go longer. And see, that's interesting because I actually think Davies is going to be a trade target. I think he's somebody yes. who's got value on the market. And I actually think, you know, he has had some slower starts, but he had a really good spate of good starts. But more, more debate for another time. Let's move on to the fourth inning. And we're sticking with this report card concept. David Ross, the skipper, what do you got there, Rhino? Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm going to give David a, a C, and I'll tell you why. I think he overtaxed this bullpen, and you can say what you want that, you know, he didn't have the horses to, you know, allow the starting rotation to go longer in games, but I just think the, the bullpen peaked way too early, and I think they are starting – to, you know, at, towards this 11 game losing streak start to fall apart. Um, you know, the injuries were starting to, to hamper up a little bit Tapera was on the IL. Um, and, you know, these were just guys that I think had, had done everything they possibly could, but after a while, we're, we're just getting taxed a little too hard. I also feel like, you know, while I've enjoyed seeing Ross kind of take the bull by the horns when players maybe haven't been hustling or putting it all out there when they should be, um, he, he's definitely taken some guys to task. I, I also think that, you know, there's been times where I felt like he hasn't done a very good job of managing this ball club. And, you know, you mentioned the Contreras situation. You brought up a great point in our webcast earlier this week that, you know, he called out Wilson for going to the media, yet David wants to keep it in-house, but yet he calls out Wilson in the media. So, you know, maybe those are just more things that young managers need to kind of get used to and allow themselves to be a little more, um, you know, I, I guess have more time to be a veteran sort of manager to, um, you know, handle those things. But, you know, maybe just David Ross doesn't have enough uh as far as talent on this team to really do a good job, but I'm going to give him a C. What about you? You know, I, I think it's, it's a, it's a passing grade. So I'm going to say it's a C plus and I'm going to give him a little bit better grade than you did. If only because he's playing the hand 
that Jed Hoyer dealt him. This is what they have. Now, let's be honest. He also was dealt a pretty crummy hand. Jed did not anticipate all of these injuries. Jed did not anticipate, you know, all of the the rash of issues and the inner intertwining and intermingling of all the uh, of all the different lineups. I mean, honestly, this club performed best when David had more flexibility. And I, and I mentioned this. Uh, I joined our buddies uh, Lante and 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 Piper yesterday on ESPN in Champaign, and I, I made the point by the grace of God. You know, Jason Hayward was out of the lineup for a good portion of that Cubs run, and that allowed the flexibility of, of never losing a spot where Chris Bryant could slot in over in right field, and that gave you the opportunity to play all the other hot hands and freed up third base for guys like Patrick Wisdom to present himself. That would have never happened if Jay Hay didn't get hurt. So, you know, as I said, it's a C-plus. He is, he is working with um, what – what Jed has allowed him to work with. I think my frustration and, and my concern is what's going on with the veterans, as I mentioned earlier on, who are in these contract years, why are you not seeing more leadership and why are we not getting more and more consistency out of that group? I feel like that does fall on leadership. I mean, this is the grizzled vet behind the, the dish who could calm down guys like you know, calm down guys like Jake and, 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 and John Lester, you know, and, and he's a guy that, uh, um, I haven't seen that where his right now, his fingerprints to me are not on this team. And maybe that's because this team doesn't really have an identity, which is for me, incredible to say, considering this team is largely still has many faces of that 2016 world series team. All right. So now the question becomes what's next, Chad, as we move to the fifth inning, it's a simple question. What do you ultimately expect? It's a simple question, but probably not an easy answer. What do you ultimately expect to happen to this baseball team, especially over the next two and a half weeks? Yeah, I'm going to do a little bit of a pulse check and a reality check, and then also like just a calm check for all the Cubs fans that are listening. Here's the deal. This team is not just going to get rid of Anthony and Chris and Javi to get rid of Anthony, Chris, and Javi. Here's the reason. If they don't get good return, which I don't think Anthony or Javi are going to give you good return. I think Kyle, I think uh, Chris Bryant absolutely is going to give you a great uh, return because of his, his, he started more than 10, 10 games at five different positions. That is unheard of in the, in the market right now, his, his production at the plate. Um, if they all come back, that's still going to sell some tickets. They're going to have a bit of a farewell tour. And also if they stay through the, through the, the, um, um, through the end of the year and the, the the Cubs make a qualifying offer and they say no and go out to free agency, that's a end of the second round compensatory pick. That's a big deal. That is incredibly value. There's, there's a tremendous amount of value attached to that. And don't think that the Cubs aren't thinking about that. So they're not going to give away these guys just to give away the guys. I think what's next, Chris Bryan is probably going to go. Um, but here's the reality check of that, of those three guys, which all that really matters to me other than the bullpen, it's going to be okay because you know what? Chris can still come back. You know, just because you get traded away doesn't mean you've written your last check to these guys. The Cubs could still make a big role. A role as Chapman is still with the Yankees. He won the Cubs a World Series and is still pitching for the Yankees. It worked out great because they got a lot of great tools. My last piece of this is um, Kimbrell, Chafin, and Tempera. Those guys should net a haul, especially Kimbrell and Chafin. Those guys should net a haul of prospects and some young guys that the Cubs should absolutely take a, a flyer on. What that's going to mean is this Cubs bullpen is going to be depleted. It's going to be a lot more losses down the stretch, which means a good draft pick. But get a haul if you can. That is what I predict. All right. So it's interesting. Our friend Jesse Rogers was on um, ESPN 1000 in Chicago 
And he said that he's not so sure that the Cubs are going to trade Bryant. You know, I think the money is on the fact that if I had to be a betting man, I'd say they are. But to your point, the Cubs aren't just going to give him away for nothing. If there is not a deal out there, as you said, you know, the Cubs could contend, you know, potentially get a draft pick in return should Chris Bryant leave. And that's better than just getting a bunch of spare parts that might be offered to them if they don't get the right deal. I think the two teams to keep an eye on that everyone seems to be buzzing about one is the, um, is the Mets for Chris Bryant and the other, believe it or not, is the San Diego Padres. Uh, That could be another team. Chris, we know, played his college ball at the University of San Diego. He's familiar with the area. The Padres are going all in this year. So look for maybe those two teams to potentially make a run for Chris Bryant and, you know, and Craig Kimbrell for that matter. Maybe it's a package deal. You mentioned Chafin, Tapera. Those are guys as well that could be on their way. Zach Davies is another guy. Jack Peterson is another player that could, you know, net some, some people in return. If there's a team that's looking for a veteran left-handed bat to come off the bench, um, you know, maybe the White Sox fit that description. They were interested in Peterson before he signed with the Cubs. So, I do agree with you that I think Rizzo and Baez are both going to be with this baseball team. To your point, it helps sell tickets. And at least you have some name recognition to where it doesn't seem like all is lost uh, for the rest of the year. And I will say this, Chad, and I didn't get to see this on Monday, but I'll say this. The Boston Red Sox, the Washington Nationals, and the St. Louis Cardinals. Three teams that I think can be really good examples for the Cubs. The Cardinals let Albert Pujols walk to the Los Angeles Angels after he had an unbelievable year. He was the best hitter of his generation. And the Cardinals actually turned out to be just as good of a team, if not better, when he left. The Washington Nationals let Bryce Harper go to the Philadelphia Phillies. They promptly won a World Series after that. And the Boston Red Sox traded Mookie Betts to the Los Angeles Dodgers And now the Red Sox are in first place and potentially a contender to win the World Series this year. So all I'm saying is, is I know people are upset about the potential of Chris Bryant no longer being on this baseball team. But just remember, there is a situation where you let your best player walk or you trade him and your team can still be just as good, if not better, down the line in a year or two, even if you let go of that guy. So just keep that in mind for Cub fans that are listening. Great point, Ryan. I don't often say that, and that's uh, just because I try not to be so agreeable, but great point. And the, the thing that each of those franchises have that this Cubs team needs to prove, Jed Hoyer needs to prove that he can create a farm system that is that continues to restock the next man up, and we are starting to see that. And maybe some of these trades can add to that where this team can have, this this team can have some longevity. So let's move on to the sixth inning. And I don't know, Ryan, was it just me or I mean, were you glued to the TV on Tuesday night? Did you watch the World Series game? I, you know how I watched it? I watched it on Twitter. I, I, I it's it doesn't draw for me. I guess I'm I'm, I'm going to tell you my take in a second. But is that game? Does that matter anymore? What is it more than a spectacle? Yeah, it, it really is. And I will say this. I, I have to be honest. I didn't watch a single inning of the game. Um, there's a couple of things at play here. You know, it's unfortunate because for years, 
I always felt like the Major League Baseball All-Star Game was always the best All-Star Game of the bunch um, between the NFL, the NHL, and the NBA. And the NBA for a long time had an, a, a spectacular All-Star Game, but now it's it's an absolute joke. Major League Baseball, I think, is still something to watch, but I think it has lost a lot of its luster over the years. Um, you know, I used to remember when the starting pitcher would start at least three innings. Now we just see them pitch one, you know, guys in the lineup, you know, it's not, it's not that same star power anymore, Chad, that we used to see when you'd see like the, the hall of famers that would, you know, be in the lineup and you would face like these hall of fame pitchers that they wouldn't get to face on a regular basis. I don't know if interleague play has maybe softened it a bit and we don't care as much because we do see these matchups. The other thing too is and Twitter went ballistic and I agree the uniforms were just dumb. I, I know they were trying something different, but who doesn't love seeing the assortment of colors of all the teams representing their, their baseball club, whether it's the home jersey or the away jersey. So for me, I, I didn't care. It didn't interest me at all. And once again, Chad, in the end, the American League won again. I, I'm tired of this seeing. Let's see the National League at least win one game for crying out loud. What about you? It's amazing that the hype, not even the spectacle, but the hype of the home run derby is probably the biggest highlight of that entire situation. What I hate about the All-Star game as, as a Chicago Cubs season ticket holder is I was cheated out of four World Series games, a, a fourth World Series game at Wrigley Field because of the stupid rule that they discontinued the best record in baseball should host and be the home team. But back then it was like, this matters. And they tried to inflect that this matters. These guys are out there playing hard. Don't think that Chris Bryant down three wasn't trying to hit one out. He even said it. Bases were loaded. I was trying to hit a grand slam. I wanted to be um, all-star MVP. Big players make big plays. He took a shot and he hit a liner that a guy who's never played left field made a credible diving stab to, 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 to make. So there was moments of, of, of drama, not much. It, it is a spectacle. It's seen, you know, it's seen the best pitcher in the national league go up against Babe Ruth of the American league and, and Otani. Um, it, it, it's also, it's an opportunity for them to gather some headlines. Like you said, they're talking about the Jersey guys get over the Jersey situation. They can't sell an all-star Jersey. If it's the same Jersey, but in a patch, you got to sell something new. I remember I was in, I was at the, uh, the Cubs store this last weekend. I was like, what Jersey is that? And it literally was the, the Bryant Cubs Jersey. I was like, I've never seen that before. And I'm not going to buy it, but people are going to buy. It. It's going to sell them millions of dollars. It's about money. That's all the Jersey situation. And then, and then Buck, you know, if you're going to mic up a player, you're going to have some issues. And I don't have an issue with Joe Buck talking about Chris Bryant's legacy. Everybody's talking about it. Buck, our buddy on the show, Joe, and people are going to disagree with me. That's fine. Well, like Joe's supposed to like ignore that that's not there. That's the elephant in the room. Everybody's talking about it. And all of a sudden it's disrespectful. Get over yourself. Here were my highlights. This was my highlight of the All-Star Weekend. MLB, according to the commissioner, is considering banning the shift, eliminating, they're going to eliminate seven inning doubleheaders. They're going to remove the, the runner on second and the extra innings. They're going to talk about restoration of baseball's roots in time for the 2021 season, led by Theo Epstein, who's doing that as a special event. That was the highlight for me because I saw some glimmer of hope that is going to get this this sport out of its doldrums and potentially infuse a little bit more energy. I'm going to give you the last word here because I know you have some reactions to it, but that to me, Ryan, that was it. That was the highlight of this time. I didn't care about the home run derby. 
you know, if I would have changed anything, I'd be like, whoever hits the most home runs, the, the top 50%, they move on to the second round. You shouldn't have three guys, two guys hitting 900 home runs a piece. And then one guy gets bounced. That's, that's it. But who cares? It doesn't matter. Baseball starts back up Thursday and that's all the matter. Cubs start on Friday. Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the friendly confines. Another blockbuster guest that we have this week. Let me tell you a little bit about him. You can first find him on Twitter at Ryan Baker Media. You can also find him on Instagram at Ryan Baker Media. He's the former sports director at CBS2 in Chicago, but now he's made the move over to news. You can find him weekday mornings on CBS2 in Chicago. He still knows plenty about the sports scene in Chicago and, of course, the Chicago Cubs. It is Ryan Baker joining us here on the Friendly Confines. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us here on the seventh inning stretch. How are you? Oh, it's fantastic. Thanks for having me. Well, it is great to talk to you. I wish we could be talking under better circumstances, so to speak, when it comes to talking about this Cubs baseball team as we are now here in the all-star break. But I guess your initial thoughts of what you made of the first half of this Chicago Cubs baseball team in their first half season? Um, The first word would probably be surprising on two fronts. Surprising that they um, got off to a relatively good start and then, you know, got hot in May. I believe they won 19 games in the month of May, which was phenomenal. And, and, And then the bottom completely fell out. The wheels came off and now, you know, it, with the trade deadline coming up, you're talking about a, you know, a used part sale or, you know, a, a junkyard sale of try to, you know, sell off some parts and see what you get. Um, but either way, you know, having covered this team from, you know, I, I, I came to Chicago in uh, 18 years ago, 03. And I think about that of, of coming, it's right about, right about this time, 18 years ago. And the team made that surprising run to the NLCS, of course, you know, everyone will want to remember, uh, you know, a, a, a game uh, uh, six against the Marlins and the bottom falling out, you know, that, that thing in the Bartman game, but just, you know, the, the, the stars you had, you had Sosa, you had uh, Kerry Wood, you had Mark Pryor, you had, you know, all of these great players uh, and, you know, and just kind of like, oh man, you know, just the continuation of the Cubs curse to, to have it come full circle to 2016 and be covering the team uh the 108 year championship drought ends in dramatic fashion in cleveland uh another star-studded team and they you know finally become world series champions things that our parents grandparents thought they would never see in their lifetime very fortunate to be you know have the front row seat to cover you know you know that kind of the, the agony and ecstasy but that group from 2016 you know that that kind of run started the year before that I remember, you know, with Joe Madden coming in and, you know, the John Lester acquisition, uh, things getting on the fast track, you know, uh, Kyle Schwarber, uh, you know, coming out of nowhere, you know, you, you, I mean, no, they drafted him, but didn't expect these prodigious home runs you'd be getting, you know, with, uh, uh, you know, just, just the anticipated track of Chris Bryant, you know, rookie of the year, MVP, you know, but but I, I think of the 2015 season when uh, being in Pittsburgh for the wild card game. You know, they win the wild card, go right to St. Louis, 
you know, I think the Cardinals that won 100 games that season, they knocked them off. And you say, okay, this, you know, this team's ready. You've got this collection of stars. I mean, you didn't expect, uh, you know, Javi Baez to ascend as quickly as he did. You had all these pieces. You pick up Jason Hayward, give him a ton of money. You know, everything's there, you know. Uh, the Dexter Fowler, you know, he go, we go. The, I mean, you had all the pieces, but it took, you know, so it's all of a sudden it's like, okay, this team's here. Uh, and you had such a great group. And when it was going well, everyone's excited. Now, uh, even 2017, 18, now keep in mind, they were still winning the division, <laughs> st still, still dominating for the most part in the regular season, but showed the warts and the flaws that exposed themselves in the postseason. And I remember being at Wrigley, you know, when they're playing the one game, you know, wild card or playing, if you will, against Colorado. And it, this team just couldn't hit. And just the collection, I, I think, you know, uh, individually, you have some really talented guys, but just, you know, uh, does the sum equal all of the parts kind of thing? Do they all fit together? <laughs> and, you know, you think back and I mean, obviously the pandemic put everybody on hold. It, is this team as presently constituted uh, can they make another run and do it again? You always face this. Do you break it up, break it up now, or try to see how far you can go? I think with, with David Ross at the helm, it appeared that maybe he had tapped into something to get it, to get it uh, to make one more last hurrah, if you will. You know, uh, because there's financial decisions at stake with the free agency coming up, the money the Ricketts family lost during the pandemic when there were no fans and the whole shutdown. So it was kind of thinking like, hey, you know, maybe they can do this one more time. But you see these things creeping up and it's like, yeah, you know, it's probably beyond time to break up this particular core group. Of course, I get, you, you can't go on without mentioning Anthony Rizzo being kind of a linchpin. Uh, the question is who goes and when and where and for how much? I think those are the only questions that remain because the persistent problems, I mean, you, you've changed the managers, you've changed, I mean, they've been through uh, probably in the last five, six years with six hitting coaches. <laughs> You know, you change all of these things, and and uh, and here we are. But this current stretch of losing 13 out of 15 has really, again, exposed the core problems with this core. And and, and listen, it's run its course. I mean, you, you, it kind of reminds me of the uh, self-proclaimed team in the 90s. The Braves had a great talent. They only won one championship. You know, you would think that, you know, people were talking with the Cubs, oh, the dynasty, they're going to win a bunch. And listen, it's been 108 years be happy with this one and enjoy it and celebrate it. And, you know, uh, yeah, do, do you have enough talent to try to make another run? Of course, but you know, it, it's, uh, you know, there's a reason that the bulls uh, in the nineties in Jordan was called a dynasty because they won six, you know, out of eight years. That That's how you do it. Well, Ryan, you bring up a good point. You, you know, you kind of branched off on, on this a little bit. You're a Chicago guy. You remember this. Well, are we going to remember the Cubs in this kind of tenure? Like we remember, the Bears in the 80s when they won yeah. one Super Bowl, made it to the playoffs multiple times, even made the NFC championship game, you know, mm -hmm. a couple of times after that. Just couldn't, you know, get over the hump. A lot of first round exits, good teams, but just never ultimately getting back to a place where when they won in 85, we thought they would be winning multiple championships. Are the Cubs kind of like that, that, that version of the 85 Bears in a way? Uh, you know, you could certainly, certainly make that, uh, correlation because I believe in 2017 they got back to the NLCS but they lost to the Dodgers I mean it was a rematch again so, so it's a very similar kind of um, uh, uh, connection between those two uh, you know uh, colorful 
coach in Ditka, colorful manager in Madden, uh, you know, that, that kind of ran its course and, you know, Madden moved on and, you know, the things that you loved and celebrated and appreciated with Madden. I mean, he certainly had, had his share of critics and detractors, but at the end, everyone seemed to forget that the guy knows how to manage. <laughs> he had been to a World Series before he got to Chicago, didn't win it, and he may get to another one uh, right now. I mean, just you, you don't know how things are going to uh, turn out out West, you know, maybe not this year with the Angels, but he certainly got some of the best talent in the game uh, in Joe Madden. So it, it, that is very similar of uh, a celebrated team that had a fantastic regular season and playoff run and, and an historic championship, but ultimately left you wanting more. Yeah, for sure. We're talking with Ryan Baker, weekday news anchor at CBS2 in Chicago. Um, let me ask you this. You know, we saw a rebuild from 2011, basically, to 2014 with this baseball team. Jed Hoyer sure. has said that he does not expect to see the same sort of three to four year rebuild with this team. What are your expectations if this team does go out and trade the Chris Bryants or the Hobby Biases or the Craig Kimbrels or doesn't resign Anthony Rizzo um, or, or even if they do resign Rizzo for that matter and keep Javi, um, how quickly can this team get back to being a team, uh, especially with, you know, being the third largest market having the ability with a new network to, you would think, signing big name players and hopefully developing those young ones in the farm system. How quickly can we potentially, in your opinion, see a turnaround where this team might be able to get back to the postseason and, and be a contender again so we don't have to wait three, four years again like we did before? You know, baseball is a tricky sport. I think, you know, if this were the, the NBA where truly one guy could make that kind of a difference and turn things around, um, and, and I say that, I, I think of the Phoenix Suns who've done this miraculous turnaround, you know, from, from the bottom, you know, to the NBA finals and potentially, you know, in line to win a championship. Uh, I think, so a couple things, um, I, I truly believe the leadership of the team matters from the front office all the way down. I, I you know, uh, you know, Theo Epstein obviously deserves a lot of credit for shaping and, and, and molding that uh, transformation of the Cubs, the culture that, and I think that was the key thing that Theo did more than any acquisition, because he'd be the first to tell you, you know, he's lauded for the, you know, the deals and the, the, the trades and acquisitions that work, but, you know, he's got a handful of them that didn't work. You yeah. know, I mean, the, the one, I mean, you Darvish didn't work the first couple of years, right. When he started, you know, paying dividends, then you, you, you ship him off to San Diego. But I mean, you know, Jason Hayward defensively, uh, is, is spectacular, arguably the best in the business, but at the plate, he has not paid dividends for that kind of salary. You know, I don't think anyone would dispute that. So uh, I think with Jed, the position he's in, um, if, if I actually like David Ross as skipper, I wasn't sure how that was going to go, but he's shown, you know, the, the baseball acumen, which you knew he had that as a, a you know, a solid catcher for so many years and managing ball games behind the plate. Uh, the relationships he has with, with players. It, what'll be interesting is moving forward is how he develops and handles relationships with new players. I mean, he kind of had some things in the bag with Rizzo and with Bryant and with Wilson Contreras and with Javi Baez. But, you know, it was a couple of weeks ago. One, one thing that I was impressed with when, you know, Javi forgot how many outs there were. He had no problem saying, okay, you're done. Have a seat, you know, and he went right to him and it was a quick, direct 
communication, no games to be played. That was impressive. I, I, I want to know, I mean, I know he said he's talked to Wilson Contreras after his comments the other day, basically throwing his teammates under the bus that, you know, I know how I play and how Javi plays. We almost just said, you know, we're the only two guys who play hard and just everybody else, <laughs> you guys, you, you guys are mailing it in. Uh, you know, it's interesting he said that right before the break. I'm sure that wouldn't go over well in the clubhouse, but how he manages things like that. So I, I think that's important. Having Jed still in the front office, I think having uh, David Ross as manager, but they've got to go out. I mean, listen, they've got to get a legitimate bona fide ace pitcher. Uh, you know, Kyle Hendricks has been phenomenal and fantastic for what was expected and what he's delivered over the course of his career. But but I don't I wouldn't consider him that that in a John Lester category, you know, uh, or or you Darvish that is a, without a doubt you know this guy is going to anchor your rotation, you know, over the over the course of three four five maybe six years and and be the workhorse. I just don't you know that's just not his solid pitcher. Well, he's your two three four guy. But I think you, you've got to go get that. You've got to. I mean, you look back on. I mean, you've seen what. Kyle Schwarber's done in DC. You think, should we have kept that guy, <laughs> or, or did we get rid of him? You know, wait too late to deal him and something like that. But just to get something back, but and, and you've got to get that catalyst offensive player. Um, I, I don't know that it can be Javi because the highs are high and the lows are low. Just the consistency still continues to be a struggle with him. Uh, you know, I don't have the numbers in front. Of, I believe if he's not. At the top, he's right there in strikeouts, <laughs> you know, in, in the major leagues. And, you know, just just the it's feast or famine sometimes with that. Now, when he gets on, you don't I mean the excitement factor. You don't know what he's going to do. I mean, that's worth the price of admission, whether it's defensively or on the base pass or, you know, when, when he has some electrifying home runs. But I think if if they can, you know, acquire, you know, a solid player via free agency or trade, um, because some of these young players have come along. I mean, you know, I mean, is Patrick wisdom, is that sustainable? Or is this like, a, you know, flash in the pan kind of thing? I mean, you have to look at some of these uh, pieces you have and, and uh, you know, uh, Nico Horner, I think that's a good piece that you have right there. That, that, that's a nice young piece. And, and maybe you keep a Rizzo to be that clubhouse influence that he excels at and who's still a productive player. Yeah, and, and I, I and one who I think would give the so-called hometown discount. I think he wants to finish his career in Chicago, and it's not just blowing smoke. And I think he's a realist to know, like, hey, I'm not in the same market level as Chris Bryant right now at this age and stage of my career. But I, I, I'm still going to do. I've done well, and I can still do okay, and 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 you know, and, and be a part of something of this next level. So, in, in a roundabout way to answer your question, I, I just. I mean, three or four years, would it, would, would it take that long? It's just, I mean, baseball is so difficult to predict because of so many different variables and factors that have to come together at the right time. Uh, and I'm just trying to think of some recent teams who, you know, I mean, look, even the Nationals, they spent a lot of money on different players and different things, but it, it finally came together last year. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it's just... It, I think the leadership part point that I think that's the most important thing. If you can keep that intact and get players who can come in and do it the quote unquote Cubs way, I, 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 I tend to agree with Jed that it, it could happen sooner rather than later. 
And our thanks once again to CBS2 Chicago's Ryan Baker. Of course, you can find Ryan weekday mornings on the new show that he does and co-anchors. Of course, Ryan, once again, was a longtime sports director at CBS2 in Chicago as well before making the shift over to news, Chad. Some people say that's always the smart move, go from sports to news, but we appreciate Ryan. And of course, you can find Ryan on Twitter at Ryan Baker Media, as well as Instagram, Ryan Baker Media. We appreciate his time to join us on the program. You can find Chad and I on social media. I am at Ryan D. Lieber. Chad is at the Chad Gordon on Twitter. You can also find us on our Facebook page page. It's the Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines Facebook page. And we have a website to boot as well, Chad. Yeah, go to theconfines.com. That's theconfines.com. All of our latest content that drops, drops there. You can sign up for a little newsletter that'll let you know as well when new content gets created. We typically release these podcasts on on Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, midweek, and then we always do our extra special edition with the extended interview, but but sign up for that so you know what's coming and when it's coming. Let's move on to the eighth inning, and rarely do we have an inning that's just associated with a a Pittsburgh, well, now former Pittsburgh Pirates player. I'm going to start this with our listeners and tell me when you know who I'm talking about. 2016 first round pick by the Pirates, Will Craig. Know who he is? Most of the people don't, but you've seen the play. You've seen the play dozens of times. Remember that play where Javi was literally at home plate cheering on a safe runner, but then he had to stop and realize, I got to run down to first now, where the, the, the that first baseman, that boneheaded play by the Pittsburgh Pirates, first baseman, that was Will Craig, and we received news uh, today. Will Craig, who was not long for the Pirates after that play because it really was a kind of a, a thumb in the eye of a friend of the show, uh, uh, Derek Johnson, um, who is a Saluki and, and manager of the Pirates, uh, he went down to AAA and Will Craig said, nope, I'm out of here. He is now in the Korean Baseball League, the KBO, the Kawoom Heroes. He said he made that move, Ryan, because he needed a change of pace. He didn't want to be defined by that play. Ryan, I asked you this question. I want your take. But first, he's going to be defined by that play, right? That's that's it. I mean, unless he does something miraculous in Korea, Chad, or he makes some uh, heroic return to Major League Baseball. I remember when that play happened and I texted you and I just said, ooh, Derek Shelton can't be happy about that. The Pirates manager who went to Southern Illinois. So, yeah, listen, you know, I, I guess he's one of those guys that lives in infamy with a play that you never want to be remembered for. And there's plenty of athletes over the years that we know, you know, I, I think of like J.R. Smith in the NBA finals when he didn't know how much time was left on the clock and he dribbled out the ball when the Cavs and the Golden State Warriors were playing. I mean, there's there's so many examples of guys over the years that you that's that's the first thing you think of. Um, or Steve Lyons, you know, when he pulled his pants down and he was at first base, you know, there, there's, there's countless of them. And unfortunately this is Will Craig's, you know, footnote. And I hope that he's able to kind of reset himself, find a better way to getting back to the major leagues. Cause you don't want to be defined by your worst moment in your career, whether that's personally or professionally. So obviously it was a just, terrible terrible play but um he hopefully learns from it and he moves on and maybe he finds better success over in korea what about you this is not quite 
up to the standards of, of the, the examples you share? I mean, this is the first baseman that literally forgot that there's there are such things as force outs. <laughs> like that run doesn't score if he just touches first. So that's but this also is not quite Merkel's boner. You know, you 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 know the the story of uh of the famous base running mistake, uh, Fred Merkel. New York Giants against the Cubs back in 1908. He he forgot to touch second base and it canceled out a, a game-winning hit. It's not quite that because that that won the game and we're still saying a hundred and almost 20 years later, Merkel's boner. Like that's the thing. I don't think we're going to be talking about Will Craig. I don't think many baseball fans are going to remember the name Will Craig, but they're going to remember that highlight. That was all over the social media. I mean, I remember putting it on our Facebook page and I said, and I had the, the picture of the sliding into home, forgot who slid in home, but then there's, there's Javi, you know, signaling safe along with the umpire. And I said, describe what's happening here. Wrong answers only, you know, you couldn't even imagine what it was, but um, I, here's the thing. You and I do not wish anybody into misery. We do not wish anybody into demise. We hope, you know, I speak for you, I think, and saying, let's hope he can figure this out, but he is defined right now by this, there's, you know, he lost his clubhouse after that play. He lost his manager in front office after that play. And if he can make his way back, what an amazing reclamation project that could be. But I got to tell you, just like every time there's a foul ball down the left field line, um, every time he goes into a game, every time if he makes it back to the majors, they're going to show that highlight. Just like every time there's a foul ball down the left field line, they're going to show that ball that uh, Moises Alou swore he could have caught if it wasn't for the outstretched hand of an unnamed fan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let that, let us move on and finish up here, Chad, with the ninth inning. And we start the second half of the season. The Cubs are in Arizona to start off with the Diamondbacks in 14 games before July 30th. Um, what do you ultimately expect to see in the second half from this team? And is there any scenario where you think this team can come back and rally and even have a shot to catch the Milwaukee Brewers? Is that even a remote possibility at this point? Realistically, yes, of course it can happen. But realistically, do you see that happening? Right now, this team is seven and a half games out of the wild card. That is not insurmountable. You ask the question, can they, they catch the Brewers? The Brewers have been on a tear unlike anything we've ever seen from the Brewers. I mean, while the Cubs are in their historic collapse, the, the Brewers were winning double-digit games in a row as well. That is the biggest reason this rift even happened. The Brewers have basically said, I think, just like the, the uh, St. Louis Giants, or the San Francisco Giants, rather, um, hey, remember us? We're out here playing. You know, you're not talking about everybody else. So the Brewers right now are playing out of their shoes right now. Um can the Cubs do it? If, if, if when this, this front office dismantles the bullpen, it's going to be really tough. I shared earlier, whoever is left, whoever is healthy, whoever has heart, whoever is, I mean, maybe we're seeing it from Javi right now. He's on this tear the last seven games. Maybe it's going to start right now. Maybe the offense is going to start clicking. We do know if this team can score runs at will, it doesn't really matter the pitching if you can outscore everybody. Some teams have had that recipe for success. Can they have sustained success? No, I don't think they can with the starting staff. And again, as I expect, as I think you expect, this front office is probably going to start whittling away at some of the key pieces and getting some big returns. That's going to have its effect. So my expectation for this last half of the inning, uh, last half of the half, rather, or the, the second half, 
is let's see what they got. Let's see who has heart. Let's see who stays there. Let's let's see a couple more Jake Arrieta starts, and let's also see this front office set him up for a nice farewell a la Kerry Wood when they let him walk off on his own terms. I think we're going to see – some sentimentalism. I think we're going to see some pomp and circumstances and celebration. Do not underestimate what this team has been able to do from 2015, even through this year. It's the winningest stretch of baseball you and I have ever seen as Chicago Cubs fans. Don't discount that. And as guys go out the door, you know, it's time to honor those guys because they're going to be legends. They're going to be old grizzled veterans. And, and, and uh, we're going to think very fondly of them. But right now it's going to be kind of an ugly divorce as, as guys start getting picked off. Let's see who has the heart and who walks out the door on the best of terms. Yeah. I think a lot depends on who's moved, right? I mean, if it's just Bryant and just Kimbrell and maybe throw in Jack Peterson. Yeah. Maybe there's a shot. This team can, you know, finish, um, over 500 and have a shot to, you know, at least be respectable. The nice part is, Chad, is that the second half schedule is a lot easier than the first half of this schedule. They will not have a stretch like we saw in June. Um, a lot of the teams they are going to be playing are going to be under 500. They got, they're done with the Dodgers. They have the Giants at home. But other than that, they're done with the Dodgers. They're done with the Padres. They're done with the Mets. Um, you know, they're done with the Braves. So those teams, they're, they're, they're past already. So now it's like the, the Diamondbacks and the Rockies and, you know, like the Marlins, no, they're done with the Marlins. No, the Marlins, they're going to Miami. Those are the teams they're going to be playing. They just have the Giants to come here. And then the rest is obviously, you know, in the division. But again, it depends on who's still on this team. If there's just a few guys, and I understand they're major guys, Kimbrell and Bryant, um, but I still think that, you know what, I like what I've seen from Wisdom. Um, if Tapera and Chafin stick around, I think one of those two guys could, you know, fit the bill of being the closer for the rest of the year. I think they could be respectable. Do I think they're going to win the division? Absolutely not. They're not going to make the postseason. But do I think they have an opportunity to at least finish over 500? I mean, listen, they're only two games under 500 right now. So there's a, absolutely, there's a chance this team could still win 83, 84 games. I, I'm not going to deny that, but a lot of it just depends on what ultimately is going to happen at the trade deadline. All right. So with that, that is going to wrap things up on this edition of the Friendly Confines. Once again, our thanks to Ryan Baker from CBS2 in Chicago. For Chad, I'm Ryan. We'll talk to you next time, everybody. Have a good one. See you at the ballpark, everybody. just a game for I've seen other teams and it's never the same when you're born in Chicago you're blessed and you're a field the first time you walk into Wrigley